one of the guys out there started to yell, I'm going in there, I'm, I'm grounding. Yikes. And, uh, and they're, they're, everybody's on the bank yelling at this guy nearby saying, get him, get him, you're letting him go, go. And they're just, and they're angry at him and everything. And uh, so he waits another little while and then he takes a couple of strokes over and grabs the guy, pulls him in. So when he gets in, they all jump on this guy that did the rescue saying, look, we're, you <laughs> think did you wait? we almost let him drown. He said, yeah, I had to wait till he used up all of his own strength or he would have drowned us both. Okay. And I thought, I've used up all my strength with this banquet. And so I'm now, God, I'm turning it all over to you. And it's okay if we don't have a banquet. <laughs> I just want to serve you. And uh, an hour later, the phone rings, and it's Carol Dale from the Packers saying, if you still want to have that banquet thing, I'm clear on the night you suggested. Jim had said, see what could be done and who might be available. And mm. I only knew, I only knew a couple people that even worked with pro athletes. And somehow I got his number as a, a guy that speaks for, for Christ. They hadn't heard his testimony or anything, but he said he was available. So I could go to Jim then and I could find out a copy of his testimony. And I forgot what I did to check him out. But you did it. I did it. And we had uh, like 300 athletes at the banquet. And we, we, uh, we, we gave out, uh, we introduced athletes in action to the community and to, to the university and to the coaching staff and and uh, gave awards for each the outstanding athlete of each class. That's brilliant. And uh, they would be all announced. We introduced several finalists, <laughs> you know, to come. And so I invited my dad. Invited political leaders, Madison, Wisconsin. It's a, you know, I invited the governor, and he didn't come, but the lieutenant. <laughs> How old were you at this point? Twenty-three. <laughs> 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 and, and so, uh, Jack Olson was his name. Anyway, I invited him and my dad, and and so um, we had a prayer. I gave a prayer with the invitation, and the lieutenant governor prayed to receive Christ. And for the next couple of months. I made trips every couple of weeks. It was only a few blocks from where I lived, the capital. So I'd go up to the capital, have my Bible, get his Bible, and we'd sit there in his office. The 23-year-old kid? Yeah. Why did he ever do this? He wrote me until, until he died. He sent me, he wrote me at least once a year. And... Uh, sent me a certificate. And, uh, anyway, somewhere I have oh. those things. But then wow. I, while I was there, I lived in Madison four years. 
So uh, my, when my dad saw what we had done, he said, who's doing this among the pros? And I said, all I know that's going on in, in this is um, Bill Glass Ministries, he goes to prisons and uh, he talks about the Lord there. And Raymond Berry and Don Shinnick, who both played for the Colts. Colts. I'm a Baltimore boy. Oh, That's yeah. when they were from Baltimore. I know so that name. They had a Bible study going. No. On, on the Colts. And um, Bart Starr led the Lord's Prayer before every game. At the Packers, yeah. though. He was a Packers. Packers. Yeah. And uh, so that was the total amount that I that I had as I was of what was going on in pro football. And I said, so And this is sixty nine when you were twenty three. Yeah. Wow. And so what was your dad doing? Like My dad had been a pastor and it had a head on auto collision and he was recovering from uh this wreck and he'd stopped speaking he was he was just uh kind of looking but what he was going to do left he was leading a bible conference grounds called bible town in boca raton florida down in the lower east coast and it was a, a winter resort for christians they'd come and spend a week there you could it, it had capacity for about 150 people and there'd be a different speaker every night and there would be a big sacred music uh, concert every um, uh, like every week, every, every month, every, every Saturday night. Wow. So anyway, uh, I I told him what I knew was going on, and he said, "What do you do?" I said, "Well, first I have to lead guys to Christ because." I want to start a movement on the campus. I want to teach them not only how to receive Christ, but how to grow in their faith, and then how to give their testimonies and teach them to reach others for Christ. And uh, so he came and sat in with me on a on a time I was speaking, and uh, he said, "I don't think I could read a little booklet to some." <laughs> Athletes. I said, well, that's what I do. I, I, I don't read it to them, but I give, it, give them the content. And then I form a Bible study. And he said, well, they don't have any, they can't go to church because they don't have enough time in the morning before the game. And so I think I want to try to get them to have something right in the hotel where they they're staying. I didn't know uh, until that time that uh, every every uh, team has pre-game meetings and every team moves their whole team into the hotel the night before the game huh. and they can control hours. Yeah, and, smart. And that, so he said, if I could get that on that morning before they go to the pre-game meeting, we could get a group there. That's what I think I'm going to try to do. 
So he goes to, uh, he was uh, he was clever. I think I should maybe dress a little bit different so people know who I am. And I said, <clears throat> first thing you got to do is talk to the coach. Out of all the people that are associated with the team, mm. the key person is the coach. Mm. It's not a player, it's not the captain, it's not a, any of the players, it's the guy who cares the most about the team, it's the coach. So ask him if you can have a brief talk and then meet with anybody. Because um, you gotta, you got to go for the highest sports and the most influence possible. Because you, you want the, you want the co individual coach of the teams and you want the guy who's the, uh, who's the guy that the coaches report to. The GM or somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to meet him to it sometime because he cares about the finances of it and tickets and all kinds of stuff. And uh, and I said, don't go and meet any of the players till you've talked to the coach because they'll the players will be going to say, who is that guy? Who is that guy that hangs around the team? And uh, there were there were some. Fellowship of Christian Athletes was already, uh, that had already been formed okay. a couple of okay. years before. Okay. Did you ever meet any of the, those? I've come across a few of them yeah. over the years, not much. There, none of them, with the exception of Dave uh, Gibson in Minneapolis, he was an evangelist and he led guys to Christ, but none of their other directors or, or people locally did. So I said, you gotta lead some guys to Christ on the team and you need to start with the football team. And uh, then once they know the Lord, form mm -hmm. Bible studies locally. And so he went to the Atlanta Falcons in the summer. Yeah, it went to their summer camp. And uh, said, I'm uh, serving as a chaplain for uh, athletes, and uh, I'd like to come and talk to your, mm. your team about their personal lives. And uh, the, the coach of the team was a real hellraiser foul-mouthed guy. Hell, our guys need this kind of stuff. I guess they don't have any faith. He said, I got a guy from Baylor. He can make up a prayer as he goes. <laughs> <laughs> and so my dad, uh, I told him, give, give an invitation and then see if you can meet with him personally. Because you don't want to have anybody coming forward. It's all people. It was real. I read, <laughs> you read through the through the book, you read what guys thought of the chapel service. Because there'd be a Christian guy on the team would be, invite somebody to the chapel service and they'd be real. Uh, uh, some of them I can remember. So superstitious. 
if they'd won the game of the week before, then they wouldn't go to chapel service. That'd be something new. That could hex them. Mex, yeah, mess up the, the juju or whatever. Right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, his name was, the coach was Norm Van Brocklin. This is from where? The Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons. Yeah. And uh, the they had this guy from Baylor and uh, who was already a believer. I don't know if there was anybody else or not on the team, but uh, he started, he said, let's just appoint him. Appointed him the chapel leader. <laughs> and and uh, we'll do it at, uh, from 8.30 to 9 uh, on Sunday morning. Optional. Optional. Come. Nobody from the outside except the speaker uh, be there, and um, yeah, no, this is uh, this is just in house, right? This is just for the players, right? Just players, and so he he went down there at, to their summer camp, and uh, there's a lot of trauma going on in guys' minds at summer camp because this is their they've been signed, but they got to make the team. They got to make the cut. Yeah, and so if you're there on cut day, mm. their guys just weaken. You know, college graduate mm. guys who've all this is their dream. Through. This is a dream, and they're oh, and so you you got they're wide open to sit down and talk with the guy. So he had six guys the first. Night, so he asked the coach, "Do you have a room where I could meet with these men on a private basis?" I got him a room, and so he had six guys. And after the first guy talked to him and he, they prayed, and so I'll try to just please Paul. I'll read this book to him. <laughs> so he reads through the book. The book being, being the four spiritual, the four spiritual laws. <laughs> and all six of them <laughs> pray the prayer in the back with him. And so he started speaking. And then he called me and he said, I've got all these opportunities. You got to help me. And I said, Okay, uh, I'll give you. I wrote out the whole thing that I did and uh, read it to him, and he changed it, of course. But praying the prayer in the back was—he was always doing that with, with everyone. And then he'd tell my mom, and she would make a glass a jar of jam. Uh, for them. So they had something for the breakfast in the morning when you're home. You can uh, think about praying. There. And uh, he, he just started going team to team. And he'd say, let's go down here. We did all the teams around uh, where I, my home was in Florida. So, you mean university? Um, 
Sugar camps of the pro teams. Oh, oh, because a lot of them probably twenty six or twenty eight teams. Wow. Uh, so he just started, and it was going along. You know, he got about two or three teams first year, and uh, I remember we just started with Miami, and uh, you know, but it was just the team they had that went undefeated in nineteen seventy two. The Dolphins with. The only Shula one ever, Earl. only year ever. Well, was Shula, and I'm, I'm, I'm out at the summer camp at this private school where they're, where they're training. With your dad, like more with your dad, or with no, AIA? Man, all by myself. <laughs> so you're now AIA. So you're I'm, now, I'm now AIA. I'm the director of anything. <laughs> anyway. The second year, or maybe it was even the summer after my first year, I, uh, sometime in the spring, uh, Dave Hanna calls me and he says, we're gonna have a, a, a wrestling team. So what I want you to do is go to uh, all the, all, all 10 wrestling classes and uh, Share the four spiritual laws with the uh, with the winner of that weight class, whoever the NCAA champion is of the one twelve pound. Uh, you know, whoever has won the championship, for NCAA. Share the four laws with them. If they pray to receive Christ, invite them on the team. <laughs> <laughs> so what do I know? Twenty three. How old was Dave? Is he a couple years older? Uh, I think he's 24 or 25. <laughs> he's the head of AIA. Yeah. He and his wife and a guy named... I forget. Kids. Another guy, yeah. He's, Kids. He was about my, my age or maybe a year younger. And that was the total staff. AIA staff. That was all the AIA staff. I don't think I knew this AIA part of Paul Eshelman's life. <laughs> Was, uh, yeah, it was exciting. I here I'm in my car. I'm driving down to the University of Michigan. I got the 120 pound class guy and the 240 pound uh, heavyweight wrestler, and they both pray to receive Christ. And I drive out to Pennsylvania to a guy who was uh, a, he was a uh, What do, you, what do you call a guy who's no no parents? Orphan. 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 So uh, here he was all his life. He'd been staying in the Hershey School for Boys, and now he's graduating from high from college, uh, going to a local Penn Penn State nearby, and uh, he receives the Lord. Go up to Michigan State, 137-pound champion, and uh, he's real interested, but he says, I don't think I'm quite ready. Oh, what do I do now? So I call up Dave. Dave, he's interested, but he hasn't received Christ yet. Well, it's okay. Invite him to come out for the training camp. 
I invited him to come out for the training camp. <laughs> At the training camp, he finally prays to receive Christ, and we invited him on the team. We had two guys from Wheaton who were carnal as the day is long. They, they didn't add anything to the team except their weight class. Anyway, they ended up going with us. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get everybody to become a Christian. <laughs> and we did a three-week tour of Japan. Uh, and if we... Uh, what we, summer was that? Summer of 66, I think. Oh, my gosh. And so... <laughs> Do you know Dave? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen him. Is he alive? How is he? Yeah, I don't know what he's doing now. He, he, he resigned from staff about 10 years ago. Well, I met with him when... We moved back from Florida because we were with the Jesus film. Came from Paris to here, to California. Yeah. Moved to Florida with the Jesus film. And then after six months, Shreen said, I don't think I'm going to, this is not where we're going to live. We have to go back to California, which precipitated a, a vocational crisis. And I was like, Lord, what are you, like, I'm all dressed up. I got no place to go. And I did all kinds of exploratory things. I had a list of 30 things, and I met with Dave Hanna a few times. In fact, I, he flew me out because he had just recently launched Lift Up America. Uh -huh. yeah. And he, <clears throat> I flew out to Kansas City with him and his team to do one of these food distribution things at the stadium, Lamar Hunt, whatever you know, Lamar. Yeah, Lamar Hunt Stadium. Uh, because he Arrowhead was growing, um, growing, lift up America. So that's where, I, but I, but I didn't go in that direction. I started Visual Story Network. Yeah. So that's how I Seems got to know to have Dave. Worked out. It's wicked. It's working. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So yeah, that's how I know Dave and his kids and. Met his wife. So David come and say, come and wrestle with me. <laughs> I'm afraid you'll sit on me. I'm not going to wrestle with you. So he wrestled with one of the wrestling coaches. We had two coaches with us. <laughs> Boy, was he a wrestler? Sport. No, he was a punter. <laughs> okay. Amazing. I didn't know that. All right. I did not remember that AIA part of your life. Yeah, well, it wasn't very big when we got started, but by the time, I don't know, first couple of years were done, it was going really well. It's, I, and I've, I've said this to you and many others, I just honor the Lord, thank you for Bill and Bonnet Wright, for their faith and faithfulness, because they had a vision, they were faithful, and they called these kids to dare to dream, and they did. Yeah. The Paul Eshelmans, the Josh McDowells, the Dave Hannas, the Jim Greens. They just like, okay, we'll, uh, we'll dare. I don't know. This, the Lord planted ideas in our minds. None of us were whiz-bang visionaries. When, in fact, like I remember the day when Jim said, <clears throat> uh, 
John Braun, Pete Gilquist, and all these names. They were all leaving staff. Well, after they tried to take over the ship. Yes. And uh, But Jim wasn't, didn't tell them. They've asked me to go, but I feel like the Lord's calling me to stay here. But uh, we won't have any of them available for the Christmas conference. So each of you men will be speaking. And Because he, was he then the national director at that Jim, time? No, Jim was uh, Big Ten. The Big Ten, all right. So uh, I had become the director taking his place at Wisconsin. Wisconsin. And then, I don't know, do you remember Glenn Plate? He was in I know the name. Minnesota. And um, Tom Lumsden was at Michigan State. So you guys were the directors and so of our campuses. But so the big speaker, the big name speaker guys were like, "Oh, we're all leaving." They were all region, regional directors. Okay, and they oh they were and they left. Yeah. Oh man. So there was no regional framework. Wow. Then very much I don't they, the few that were left split them up. Right. Right. Dick Day. I don't know. Most of the leaders were, were gone. Where did you go? So you were campus staff with Jim at Mich uh, Wisconsin. Then you were the director. At Wisconsin. And then what was your next assignment? Uh, district director. That was like, I think there were 61 districts or something. Okay. 68 and uh, and the regional directors directed those 68 oh. uh, right. districts okay district could be one two six campuses five wow. or six campuses amazing and each district was about 10 staff okay because when I came on staff four regions each region was divided into areas yeah and an area was like a couple of states yeah 20, 24 areas oh I never knew that <laughs> I, I, re, I reorganized it you I, did I took over after I yeah I, what did, okay so keep going what did you do next after the district director uh, after the district director, I directed Expolo. Uh -huh. So I've heard of that. <laughs> two, uh, that was two, two years of preparation. And how so, many staff did you start with? Uh, I think 10. Maybe. Okay, so it wasn't just you. It wasn't just Bill said, I need somebody to lead it. Well, I had to find those. Oh, you ten. had to find them. Yeah. So, you know, I'm coming from a district director to now I'm in charge of everything that has to do with this idea. And so I thought, oh, boy, I got the whole country to cho choose from. They'll all support me. <laughs> all they wanted, the only staff people wanted to give me were People that didn't really work out on the campus, you know, they were 
embarrassed that they were a part of a crew. And so these were the folks. That's who you got? That's who was available to come and help me dive in on this. And, you know, some of them were really good people that... Uh, Just needed a different they, opportunity. They wanted a different... Uh, they weren't really evangelists at heart, and so they hated trying to... Supposed to talk to 10 people a week. Still was, because even in the 80s when I came on staff, it was 10 ECs a week. Yeah. <laughs> Did right. they call them ECs back then? Uh, Evangelistic contacts. Oh, uh, ECs, huh? That's old now. That's very old. I'm sure they haven't used that. Well, I don't know, but I can't. <laughs> That's what it was when I came on staff in the 80s, mid-80s. Anyway, that was the... So I moved that team to Dallas. Mm. Uh, wow. I wanted to have the thing in Chicago. And so, because uh, I was coming from... Uh, coming from Madison. Wisconsin. And so I said to Bill, um, I'm just thinking about Chicago. He said, I, I've been thinking a lot about Dallas. <laughs> Who won? <laughs> I said, why don't I go to both cities and see what is available in both cities for us? He said, that's a good idea. So uh, along as we were talking about this thing, uh, I, I, I didn't know anything. It wasn't my idea. The vision was Bill's vision. In fact, um, when I was the district director in Wisconsin, um, Billy Graham had a U.S. Congress on Evangelism. It was primarily for pastors. And it was, they had about 500 pastors in Minneapolis. And uh, Bill came to the meeting. You know, I'd never known Bill to go to any meeting. <laughs> there wasn't, there a, wasn't crew, crusade. a crew meeting. Crew. Right. Uh, a crusade, yeah. Sorry, I'm At still old school. <laughs> and uh, so we're sitting up there, and um, he and I, you know, Billy Graham, they bring people to sit on the platform. So they brought me and Bill sit on the platform, and I'm sitting on one side of Bill, and uh, Akbar Haq, uh, an Indian missionary, is sitting to Bill's left. And uh, during the meeting, he keeps saying to Bill, Akbar? Akbar says to Bill, you should have a student congress on evangelism. Bill chewed on this all the time and he went back to California and they were, they were having a national meeting and Bill said I, he tells him about this experience and he said I think we ought to think about holding a student congress on evangelism and uh, so he said I don't know what we do there I was in the meeting so I didn't I didn't, I didn't hear about it and uh, he says, the Lord's always, uh, if he's given me a, an idea, he gives me somebody to work on it. So I wonder if you men have somebody that could 
put this conference together. And nobody's volunteering. Yeah, everybody's... <laughs> Any of their people. Diverting their, their but eyes. But who would be kind of a guy? Jim, Jim Green. Green. Oh, I'm standing up. I'm just going to stand up in honor of Jim Green. <laughs> and sweet, your sweet spirit, Jim Green. Yeah, un unbelievable. And so Jim says, well, Paul Eshelman, he's been working on our conferences and uh, I, I think it's be the kind of thing he could do. What, I mean, I had, I had done one of the first conferences up there, uh, the very first Christmas conference that was held. Um, a group of guys said, we need somebody to run this. And uh, so they Paul, you should do it. It's just a conference. And so at uh, Northern Illinois, there's a Christian college up in the northern part of it. I've forgotten the name of it now, but we went there and we had about, I don't know, two, 250 people or so. Our staff for that whole region and, and, and it would be a student and staff conference. So it was a good thing, we, had, we learned a lot, and so that was the first Christmas conference held. Ever? Ever, yeah. What year? 19, uh, let's see. Oh my gosh. 60, 68, I think. Oh my gosh. And uh, it was so good, they said, let's hold the next one at, uh, in Chicago. For your, re your yeah, region. For our region. And, man, that went, uh, that went very well. That was, that was the ice bowl. Uh, the, 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 Christmas or New Year's, New Year's Eve um, in Lambeau Field in, in Wisconsin. Oh, that was the, the, was... It was uh, the Packers and the Cowboys. That was a Super Bowl, but that was Super like the coldest one ever. Yeah, the coldest one ever. Wow. And... Uh, so I I uh, I put the program together for that, and we had a thousand thousand kids, and we had uh, we had had one between there at the Chicago Sheraton, so it went to this the campus first, and then it went to the Chicago Sheraton, and a guy named Dennis Painter ran that one, and and uh, that was the one where we had a thousand kids at it. And uh, Dennis and I led the the uh, guy. What do, they, what do they call those guys that sell sell time? And you know the guy at the hotel that uh, negotiated the contract. Oh, we led the guy to Christ at the Chicago Sheraton. During the year, he moved to the Marriott. 
And he said, why don't you come over and think about using our property? And I said, oh, we, we could never afford your, your property. Well, I'll come out and take a look at it. He was new at his job and uh, he'd, he'd already said he'd, he would work on something. But when we were out there that day, he said, um, how much could you give for a room? I said, okay, the only way I maybe this could work is if you, we could put four, four people in a room. <laughs> and if we could do that. Which they normally probably, it's probably not normal. Like no. they, they charge you for yeah, the extra. For extra people. So for 525, what's that? A piece that was $20, $22 or $23 a room. Per? Per room. Per room. And we put four to a room. And so now, we, there was no other Christian organization taking you to a Marriott <laughs> and sleep in the directors oh. in suites. <laughs> Every year at the Christmas conference, I'd had uh, enough so I could sleep 10 in my room. <laughs> wow. So I just have to say my point my story intersects. I mean, my, my, I'm a legacy of your ministry and Jim's and Bithel and Vonnet's in many ways, as there are many, many thousands of others. But the Christmas conference was m like a game changer for me. I was a student at the University of Maryland. I was a sophomore campus crusade crew, came into my fraternity, classic team meeting, you know, intro MC, salt talk, student testimony comment cards. Yeah. Got a, the Spirit of God had been working in my life, ended up getting involved. Um, and that was April of my sophomore year. Lots of stuff happened, lost contact, came back for a fall of my junior year at registration day when you had to do your drop ad slips at this huge campus right with the record armory where they use the carbon copies where you have to get these slips to try to get a class this was pre-automation and you'd have to get in these lines and and if you got your classes you I had remember. these stack of slips and then you get the last station you turn in all of your approved slips to prove that you get these classes the last station they get volunteer, student volunteer groups to help work these things. And the last station was the Pika House was volunteering. And the guy who I turned my slips into was the president of the Pika House, who was at this first and only ever meeting I went to back in the spring after that crusade team meeting. And uh, he remembered my name. And he goes, yeah, Clyde Tabor, been praying for you. And I was like, I had no category. But anyway, I get involved with this small group with Steve Holt, who's now pastor in Colorado Springs. Anyway, they get me to go to the Christmas conference in Philadelphia at the Adams Mark Hotel in 1982. And I had all these reasons I couldn't go. All the classic reasons. I mean, but I knew I wanted to go, but my girlfriend, who was not a believer, she's like, you committed to coming to my, to visit me, and blah, blah, blah. So I go to the Adams Mark Hotel the night before, like it's like the 26th through the 31st or 30, oh. whatever, right? Because you go through New Year's Eve. I can't remember, the 27th. 
and sitting in my living room with my parents, <laughs> my dad looks at me, so, uh, you're, you're going to that Philadelphia thing tomorrow, right? I go, yeah. He goes, what's this campus crusade for Christ? Is that a cult? <laughs> He'd already given me a green light to go, but he was kind of like, as an afterthought, oh, by the way, is that a cult? <laughs> and I go, I don't think so, but I'm... <laughs> Were you going to church? Were you a believer? No. I mean, we were lapsed Lutherans. Yeah, okay. You know. And so, but I went to that student conference, man, and that Christmas conference, those five days changed my life. Bill Bright spoke the first night, December the 27th, 1982. Because I wrote in my Bible, because he gave a talk on the Lordship of Christ. And he said, if, if you will make Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to write your Bible on December the 27th, I fill in your name, make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior of my life, and sign it. And I did. So I made Christ Lord of my life. I learned how to share my faith. I did the basic training, testimony, go out in Camden, New Jersey, shared the four spiritual laws, led this guy to Christ, and had my missionary calling. I've told you this story, but it's worth saying again. And I had my missionary calling because there was a, a slide presentation on the Jesus film. Like, come do a summer trip to Africa and show the Jesus film. And it, just, it was a slideshow. Because <laughs> that was cutting edge technology <laughs> in 1982. And there was an image of an African girl, like, I don't know, like a 10-year-old girl, just like a, a, like a headshot, like one of those slides. I got my missionary calling. Like, right in that moment, I got, I got my missionary calling. So all that happened in five days. So thank you. You're welcome. For the Christmas conferences, amongst many other things. <laughs> so anyway, so what did you do after Explo? What was your next assignment? Went from Explo to being head of all the campuses in the country. So the national US. campus director. Yeah. Whatever they called it. I think it was that. And that was up until the Jesus film then? Or was there something else in between? <clears throat> that went... Now that went from National Campus Director to I Found It. 1976. Did you run that? Yeah. <laughs> have, <clears throat> I mean, I've read, I've seen Jesus, but have, you haven't written about your, your memoirs, have you? Well, I don't know. Kind of. Uh, Is it published? Because you've got to write your biography, your autobiography. I mean, it's this has part of it. You know. It's part part each, of your biography. Each of them has. Uh, but your your story, not the Je not just the Jesus film story, but the your Paul Eshelman story. No. Are you interested? I find yeah. it fascinating, Paul. Yeah, I am. I've been thinking of why is the Lord Spirit. I have the books. I have. Yeah, these. both of them. Yeah. All right, and but it doesn't. It stops at uh, ten or twelve years ago. In terms of. So you've written something. Yeah, I've written some things like. Sometimes when people come, I read them these two pages. You up for that? Yeah. 
This was when things started to open in Russia. Oh, see, this is a whole other chapter. Yeah, so this is just a part of that little, little part of that chapter. Three days at the Black Sea. Wednesday, September 16th, 1999. Okay, where on the Black Sea were you? Do you remember? Yes. I'm gonna... Okay, it's in there. Sorry, I just have to place it. It is getting on past midnight, but I must put down my reactions from the past few days. I feel once again like I'm living in unusual, historic days. The location this week is Orleanic, a 350-acre resort camp built by the communists along the Black Sea. They spent billions of rubles to build schools, dormitories, and athletic facilities to indoctrinate young people into their ideology. This was where they brought the best and the brightest from all over the country. It was the epitome of party seduction. Mm -hmm. If you were a young pioneer or a Komsomol organizer or an ardent recruiter for the cause, you would be brought to this place and be made to feel very, very special. Each year for the past 22 years, more than 18,000 young people have poured through these gates to spend a month in what for them must have been their own heaven on earth, if they'd been allowed to know of such a place as heaven. The finest teachers competed for the opportunity to work with these very bright and meticulously selected youth. And all of this was taking place, taking place at the Russian Riviera, miles of warm beaches rising into lush green mountains. But I have come for yet another of those amazing divine developments in the former Soviet Union that could only have come from the mind and hand of our wonderful, creative, and so imaginative God. During these next few days, we will be meeting with 500 teachers, leaders of the educational and socialist propaganda machine of the old USSR. And our purpose? To teach them how to start teaching a course on Christian morals and ethics in their own schools. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible challenge and an awesome opportunity. These leaders control the access to more than 54,000 schools. It could be an intimidating group. There are 68 scientists here, all with PhDs or more, but God has brought us. We are here by his divine appointment, and we will take courage because he will give us the strength and wisdom and insight beyond our experience. Mm. We will be faithful. If anything comes out of this, it will be his doing. I'm proud of this wonderful team made up of staff workers from the Jesus Film Office, teachers from Walk Through the Bible, administrative experts from the Association of Christian Schools, and Christian teachers who have come to help out with workshops and to lead small groups. And we have all come for the first National Convocation of Teachers called together by the Russian Ministry of Education mm -hmm. in order to learn how to teach this course on Christian ethics. Some of the teachers have come from 11 time zones away to be here, all at government expense. One of the teachers is from Khabarovsk, a city on the China border across from Japan. She accepted the Lord at a convocation held in her city just a few months ago. She has already taught the course in her school and is here for more instruction. Almost 500 teachers are here. Over 150 of them are principals or higher education officials. In their case, it's been tougher to break through the walls of professionalism, suspicion, and an entrenched ideology of communist doctrine. 34 district superintendents are here, and not all of them are applauding. Mm -hmm. 
Some were hostile. For years, the communists spared no expense to keep them obedient to the party line. They were very successful in the schools to become bastions of power against anything that would seek to undermine the party dogmas, especially religion. But this afternoon, there seemed to be a new spirit as the tough exteriors, born from years of disappointment and frustration, began to break down through the testimonies and lives of those who are serving as our small group leaders during this week. Mm -hmm. Tonight, Alexei Brudinov, director of the Alternative Education in Russia, spoke of the new laws that have been passed which will cut the funding for alternative education programs. As usual, the situation continues to worsen. Inflation is rampant. Prices are still rising. Government funding is being cut, and somehow they seem to be looking at us. I'm not sure they can even visualize why. But somehow our country works and theirs does not. Mm. Perhaps I believe they think that there may be something in our Christian values that helps to keep society together and to provide hope. A school administrator stood up and asked what they should do with the communist Komsomol organizers that are no longer needed in their schools. His answer was, try to find them a job where they can be helpful. I go to bed very tired tonight, but I feel so privileged to be an eyewitness to this history in the making. So I have more of that I could write. Paul, I invite you, if not encourage and implore you to continue to write. For me, it's just your story. It's your story because it's God's story incarnated in a man named Paul Eshelman. Yeah. So it's not even about Paul. It's your story, but it's God's story. And I, I just think I'm inspired, I'm encouraged. If nothing else, do it for your kids and your grandkids and their posterity, but I think there's a much bigger audience. I'm, I would be one. Like, I'm inspired. I, I, like, I'm a Are you a writer? I am not that person. <laughs> I don't write. Um, but, you know, like, I just went to the retirement service for a little luncheon for Pam Vergara and Vance and Carol Norton at the Laguna office like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Um, and it was super sweet. And Vance and Carol have written their, their biography, their autobiography. Ah. Self-published. And I'm going to read it. And it's, you know, 250 pages. But it's just their stories. And, you know, they printed 1,500 copies. And Vance actually, is, he's, he's, he's good at giving them away. Okay. He's not selling them. And I got a copy. And he said it's almost out. And, um, y you know, your stories are historic. They are. I mean, all yeah. these, all these, you know, and there's other chapters of things you've just told me. I'm not even talking about the Jesus film. That's a whole, and you've written those books. This book is another one. Okay, can I see it? This is what we did in our office while you were working in our office. Did you go to a... I've been to three things. I don't remember this did book. You, did you ever go to a um, premiere? No. That's what this is. This is all the premieres of Eastern Europe. Oh, my goodness. And Russia. And for each one, there's, each one we had, uh, yeah, what, what uh, country it was in. This is in Tbilisi, Georgia. So I was married the next day. The ninth. Yeah. Okay. Nineteen eighty nine. 
25, so these are all uh, 89 to 91. We had them all done. This is 1990 in Vilnius. Lithuania and Kalmus. So we had we had the date of the premiere, mm. where it was, the attendance, the language, and how many Gospel mm. and Luke booklets were distributed. Two hundred and fifty-four thousand at the uh, in Moldova. But I, I, here was the big uh, meeting in Leningrad with, uh, who was the guy from Finland? Kalavi Leighton. Right. And he spoke at that. Wow. And here uh, were the people that came from the U.S., Norman Ann Miller. And so we have the guys that, Put the money into it. Bunker and Carolyn Hunt. Yeah. Caroline. Caroline. There should be a picture of them in here. Yeah, that was the that was the Moscow <whistles> premiere. There's Caroline. Oh. And this was Yuli Guzman, who was the Muslim, <laughs> I don't know what he was, Muslim Communist Party leader uh, that helped put all the whole thing together. There's Bill, General Jackson, Mm. The Joint Chiefs, uh, chairman, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Huh? And he said, uh, "The twelve hundred seat prestigious Central House of Filmmakers was filled with an overflow crowd. Six hundred in the second room, watching by video link-ups." So great had been the demand for tickets to the premiere that, that the director of the Central House of Filmmakers scheduled a second showing the following day, drew another 1,500 people. Oh, my. And I'm sitting up here in front with one of the leading actresses, because this is, this is the equivalent of their, uh, I know, what do we have every year? It's Oscars is Oscars. a big yeah, yeah. award ceremony. Uh, and so it was like that. All those those kind of people were there, and she was a leading actress. And I said uh, to her, I said, uh, "Do you think the those who were here appreciated the film tonight?" Because I there wasn't very much applause down in mm. down in uh, Georgia. They had a long standing ovation. She says. You don't play drums at a wedding. Don't you realize these? Let's see if I had this. Oh. She said, uh, 
Paul Eshelman found it very interesting <clears throat> that as he had interacted with individuals who were very well educated and very high up in government or filmmaking and asked them what they knew about Jesus before they came to the showing that night, the overwhelming response was nothing. I knew nothing. Tonight I have seen for the first time who Jesus is. Wow. And um, the thing that uh, we looked for the premieres to accomplish was to see if we could take the Jesus film to the highest level of Russian society and the highest level of government leaders and see if they would respond to the film as well. That happened. Mm. But the thing that was most surprising was the <clears throat> was the innocence, the interest, and the tremendous openness of people at the very highest levels to talk very frankly and openly about their need for God and to see numbers of them indicate decisions for Christ. And not only decisions for Christ, but a willingness to immediately use their power and sphere of influence to open up yet mm. other avenues for the gospel. Almost without exception, each said, you need to show it in our schools. You need to show it in our hospitals. Mm. In whatever area they controlled, they wanted to have the film shown. And from what we have always believed to be the toughest, most unresponsive atheistic people yeah. in the world, mm -hmm. nothing more can be said except that God supernaturally prepared the hearts of people in the Soviet Union. Amen. From the premiere that evening in the in Moscow, 86 of the 184 turned in response forms indicated they had invited Christ into their lives as Savior and Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here were the dozen who were Norman Ann Miller, Meryl Oster, Bill Pugh, Carol Reed, Jay Snyder, these were all people that paid for the translations. Barry Watts, Miller Alloway, Caroline Hunt, John Jackson, J. Randall Groves, Eric Groves, Wendell Walker, Mark Manti. Yeah, anyway, this goes the whole... Hungarian premiere, 650.